0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the F2 show by Inside F2. Formula 2 crowned its seventh champion in the form of Teo Porcher this weekend at Yas Marina and joining me to review the final round of the season and to talk about our champion we have Inside F2's Aaron Harper and Lawrence Griffin. Chaps only one place to start and that's obviously with Teo Porcher he's the 2023 Formula 2 champion, joining Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Nick De Vries, Mick Schumacher, Oscar Piastri and Felipe Drogovic in the history books. And uh, yeah, despite it being his third season, he's become the second youngest Formula 2 champion ever. Only Charles Leclerc has, uh, was a younger
1: champion. Uh, and he did it in great style, didn't he, Aaron? Yeah, he did. His uh, final race weekend wasn't without its problems, considering he qualified 14th on Friday. And he, he had to make sure he kept his nose clean in both races and made progress. So I think that shows the mark of the driver that he is. He's able to manage the pressure, keep it clean. We we know how chaotic Formula 2 can be. And we saw it in the sprint. There was a spinner in the middle of the pack and quite easily Teo could have been caught up in all of that. He avoided it all. He defended against Fred Vesti probably a bit harder than I thought he might and maybe I thought he should. All things considered, because if if they'd made contact and he got a puncture or something, it could have opened the door for Fred Vesti to walk through. But he managed it beautifully and he came across the line. And uh, yeah, you know, finishing fifth seems to be a good way to win a world championship. Because let's not forget, this does, I don't think they'll class it as a world championship, but it does qualify for a world championship because the series covered three continents this year.
0: Exactly that. He is Formula 2's first ever world champion. Uh, I don't think, uh, well, Formula 2 definitely aren't called, uh, aren't labelling it as world champion. They're just saying Formula 2 champion, are they? But uh, yeah, you're 100% right. It is world champion. Uh, and also champions, ART, uh, they win the team's title for the first time in the modern era of Formula 2. They haven't won it, uh, which is uh, something that surprised me, Lawrence. Is, uh, th- I think the combination of Theo Porcher and ART has been lethal over the last couple of years, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it, it absolutely has. And you have seen him come in as a very young driver, even, you know, having a relationship with ART from Formula Three, and then building on that through F two. He's been with them for three seasons, you know, and just going in with that team when you've got such little experience when he was seventeen when he joined the series and was a race winner in his first season. Clearly, you know, we've seen in the past, you know, just look at how Drogovic performed in an MP. Last year, when it clicks with a team, it really works, and it clearly clicked with him from the beginning. I think you would be forgiven after two seasons without winning the title to try and go elsewhere and try it with a different team. He stuck with ART, and and you know, and that's really paid off. And you've seen the team perform to the best as a whole with both drivers this season. We used to talk about the curse of the of the second seat in ART which is no longer the case with Victor Martins what an unbelievable season he's had absolutely blistering pace at, at times this year and you know I think it's probably maybe helps even push Teo Pocher a little bit in his rookie season so a really good year all around for ART and with those two drivers it's no surprise to see them winning the team title.
0: Completely agree with you, Lawrence. I think uh, it's been the the strongest driver pairing, obviously, uh, on the grid this season. Uh, Victor Martins has really come into his own in the second half of the season. Victor Martins actually outscored Theo Porcher if the championship started in Spielberg. Yeah, by one point. Um, so uh, that wow. shows how much he has come along uh, in the second half of the season. I think the talent's always been there. We saw it in the first half of the season, uh, but he just couldn't string a few results together, could we? We saw it in Jeddah, for example, uh, where he uh, yeah had the pace, but uh, just couldn't couldn't convert in in the race. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been a, a really strong uh, year for ART. Their most successful year, obviously, in Formula Two. What do you think, Aaron, Was the the standout moment? Was there one particular moment in terms of the title race, and I don't want to—I don't want to go into it too much because we're going to do that on our um, post-season review podcast, which is going to come out in the next couple of weeks. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, but yeah, no, just touch on it quickly. What, what, what was the turning point for Terpstra? What is it that's won him the championship this year?
1: At sheer consistency. We were talking about it pre-podcast, discussing sort of where Vesti lost the title, really, because he had a couple of non-scores that really hurt him and. You, know, you you revealed to me that Taylor Pochere scored seven podiums in feature races this year and that's where the big points are handed out. So it's shown that that switch from a feature race on a Saturday to a Sunday has paid off because now the, the big points are paid out at the end of the weekend. You've got to keep yourself alive all the way through the weekend, make sure you, you're doing the job really well across the weekend and collecting as many points as possible. Pochere, I always felt he needed to win another race, but you know, that sheer consistency has shown that it can still propel you all the way to a championship if needed. He he's shown he's had the speed and he's able to win races, there's no doubt about that. He was in championship mode doing everything he needed to do. So he's a worthy world champion, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the the wins there. One win for our champion this season which is quite incredible which you know you could take it you know as a positive or or a negative but I think you've got to look at it and say that shows the consistency you mentioned the number of of podiums the ability to be able to be there week in week out and I think he's really taken a step back and just gone I just need to rack up as many points round by round and not put too much pressure on making the crazy moves and being the absolute fastest every round because it, it won't happen and you know if you take that risk You know, you've been it when you could have a podium, you lose all that points and then several rounds of margin you've built over your title contender is gone all of a sudden. So the fact that he's been able to do that with only one win, I think really speaks to his maturity in his third season, yet still at such a young age, as we've mentioned.
0: I think he would have won more races if he if he wasn't thinking about the championship and it wasn't his third season. I think he would have he would have taken more risks and he would have won more races. I think Monza, for example, could, you know, I, I think he could have won that race, but he was being conservative because he was thinking about the championship. So, um, yeah, perhaps another season uh, he would have won more races. But he did everything he needed to do, didn't he? And uh, the lowest amount of wins uh, by a champion uh, in Formula Two, uh, Mick Schumacher. Obviously, he went to the title. In 2020, with uh, only two wins. But yeah, one, chair, one win for Teo Porsche was enough. So yeah, poor triumph for Porcher, despair for Vesti. Uh, and I think everyone feels for him, don't they? Gave it a real good go. Six wins this season. Only Charles Leclerc and George Russell have won more races in a single season than Frederick Vesti. However, four of those were sprint race wins two of those feature race wins um yeah you got a feel for him Lawrence haven't you he's he's given it a go all good all season long but um maybe just you know two two too many sprint race wins not enough feature race wins is that fair to say
2: yeah I, I, absolutely i mean even, even then two feature race wins is is double what Teo perch got but you know you look at it, it's the it's the weekends like spa like monza where it's just those those tiny little moments where championships can be lost and that is what Fred Vesti will probably take away from this but I think having got those wins and shown the performance throughout the season you know he's he's made his talent pretty clear and has sort of been the breakout driver from this season everyone knew Teo Poche was going to be probably the outright favorite for the title but it was a question of who else was going to make that step up and challenge him and Fred Vesti has done that brilliantly and, and led large parts of of this year. So I think he will hold his head high, knowing that he's he's raced well and you know fought all the way to the end. You know this weekend in Abu Dhabi.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Aaron, agree with that. Obviously, uh, as you just you just mentioned the stat. You know, seven wins for uh, Porsche. Sorry, seven podiums for Porsche in, in feature races. Only five feature race podiums for, for Vesti. Is that uh, was that the the yeah the thing that the, the thing that yeah got away from Vesti
1: yeah i mean we were speaking beforehand as well when we um the, the, the two podiums that Porsche has got over Vesti both came on occasions where Vesti either didn't start or didn't make it around the first lap so those two non scores in the Spa and Monza feature races were punished almost as heavily as they possibly could be by Porsche All things considered, he was in championship management mode. He knew he didn't need to win the race. He didn't need to take that risk. It would have been a a silly risk to take. So Fred gave it a right good go. And his weekend in Abu Dhabi was superb. His sprint race was just excellent. We we did the live stream together, didn't we, Fraser? We were just just in awe. He was beautifully poised on the brakes, making those overtakes. And again, in the feature race, made the progress, made his strategy work as best he could. He just simply needed some bad luck to fall Pocher's way. And then he would have been champion, not Teo Pochere. But you know, Pocher kept his nose clean and, and got the job done. Fitting that Saturday was all about Frederick Bestie and Sunday was all about
0: Teo Pochere, Aaron. That's uh, the two standout drivers this year. And they, uh, yeah, almost had a day each, didn't they? Is that fitting?
1: Yeah, I think it tells the story of the season quite nicely. They're the top two drivers. Vesti got the the win in the sprint and Porsche got the championship on Sunday. But then we also had a little cameo from Jack Doohan, didn't we?
0: we did. We're going to get onto that very shortly. Um, yeah, obviously, Frederick Vestie, um, yeah, leaves leaves the series with the joint most uh, ever f- uh, F2 sprint race victories uh, with uh, Liam Lawson and Luca Giotto, five sprint race victories, uh, and also leaves with the most number of sprint race victories in a single season as well, which equals Liam Lawson in 2020. So he has certainly left his mark on the series. Uh, by the way, I forgot to say, uh, Frederick Vesti and Zane Maloney last lap
1: incident Your thoughts on that, uh, Aaron? I will come to you first. What were your thoughts on that one? Uh, It's just a racing incident, isn't it? Neither driver really did anything that was guilty, if that's the right word to use. Yeah. One of those things, I think, the proximity of where the cars were, the tyre condition for Maloney, he was desperately trying to hang on to that podium. Vesti was doing everything he could to take it. Of those things, and it's a shame that Maloney didn't finish the race at least in fourth position because he'd done a brilliant job up to that point. He deserved to be on maybe on the podium, but at least in the top four. But Vesti was going for it, he needed he knew he needed to make that move. And in fairness, it was a bold move, and he did really well to get it done and also not end up in the wall because the, the car bouncing across the curb that could have been curtains for not just his race but his championship too.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree, Lawrence. Uh, race instant.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so, and and yeah, thank goodness for the for the reprofiled turn nine, yeah. you know, allowing that kind of mood. If, if if move, if we'd been going back to the old chicane, there would have been absolutely none of none of that. It would have yeah. been single file through there, unless you're you know Checo Perez on the on the on the, <laughs> the closing day. I think it was, which was sublime. But we don't see that really ever. So it was a brilliant move, you know, using the width of that corner, using all of the width of that corner and a bit more. And to to hang it around the outside is brilliant. And you could see Maloney sort of corrected midway through the corner and Vesti kept his foot in it, knowing that the space was going to squeeze. And he, he trusted he trusted Maloney that wasn't going to deliberately force him out. Maloney sliding wise, they, they touch, they make the slightest touch. And obviously it looks dramatic because of the way that Vesti catches the curb. I think... He was definitely entitled to room. Was Vesti? It, there was nothing in it from from Maloney. I think if Vesti had retired and Maloney had continued on, that maybe wouldn't have been a racing incident. It's easy to say racing incident when Vesti was able to continue. I don't know what the result would have been, but yeah, there's two drivers using you know every millimeter of space, and just with you know no grip on the last lap, sliding slightly wide, you know the faintest touch sends someone spinning around. You'd hate to start. Penalising those kinds of incidents because that sort of close racing is is what we love to see most of all, and it's just glad that you know Maloney sort of spinning round and lying there in the middle of the circuit, you know, was was safe and there was no further incident there. So, yeah, a, a great one to watch, and what a dramatic climax to the to the weekend!
1: It's a good point you make on the um, the no penalties because if the FIA start to overregulate it, the drivers just won't go for the moves and we won't get that exciting racing. So I think that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you boys on that one. Um, should we talk about our feature race winner, Jack Dewan? Uh a dominant victory, wasn't it? Snatches third in the Drivers' Championship away from a Yumu Owasa in the final race of the season as well. And uh, yeah, again, another one who bows out of the series on a high, Lawrence.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the biggest compliment that I can give to... To Jack Doohan, is that I can't remember exactly what he did in this race because he was just out there. He was he was sublime, managed the pace, managed the tires really really well, and he just looked comfortable. He looked like the fastest guy out there. He absolutely nailed qualifying, and it's another strong weekend. And when Jack Doohan is at his best, he does this. He blows everybody else away, and that talent that he has is clear. You know, we still don't know what. Was going on for him at the start of the year. He had a, a really tough few races. I would love to know the stats of you know what the championship order would be if you started it halfway through the season. Because I bet Jack Dewin would be winning this title if it started midway through. I'm I'm guessing Fraser, you're gonna are gonna tell me? I can me. tell you. Do you want to know? I can tell you. <laughs> I, I do want to know. Go right ahead.
0: <laughs> if the season
2: started in Austria, Spielberg
0: halfway through the season. Um, well, if the yeah, if the championship started then and went all the way through to Abu Dhabi. Jack Dewan would have been the champion. Absolutely. Jack Dewan, 126 points. Victor Martins, 105 points. Terry Porcher, 104 points. That's where I swear. said earlier. Victor Martins uh, beat Terry Porcher by a point in the second half of the season. Uh, Ayumu Owasa, 86 points. And Frederick Vesti, only 82 points in the second half of the season. So Jack Dewan would have been comfortably um, wow. the, the champion for this season.
2: It's... Outscored Vesti by 43 points in the yeah. second half of the season. That is, that is massive.
0: It is, is absolutely as, massive, and as you say, like you know, uh, we don't know what was happening in the early part of the season. Qualifying was just a real issue for him in the in the in the, in the early part of the season, wasn't it? And it was ruining his weekend. But um, yeah, it's uh, if it, the pace was clearly there, wasn't it? Once they worked out what that issue was, whatever it was, I don't think we'll ever find out, to be honest with you. Um, but um, yeah, um, the, the pace was clearly there, and Jack Doohan clearly has the talent to, uh, It's what what could have been for him, isn't it?
2: Yeah there's a, there's a, there's a there's a raw talent to this to this driver you know you look at last season when he jumped in the car and and well even before last even in Abu in Abu Dhabi he went and qualified on the first row in his first session and then then came back in the, you know in the first in the first full season and did the same and you know this weekend we saw you know the likes of perhaps Ollie Behrman struggling from going to, from FP1 into into qualifying um, and, you know, making that quick switch between cars, you know, Jack Doohan jumped straight out of an Alpine and pretty much ran to his car, got in it and put it on pole, you know, and that that is something that you can't do without just that natural talent and and ability. And so, yeah, I think he's he, he's been unfortunate um, and it's nice to see that, you know, Alpine's faith in his, him has remained and, you know, he will be probably at the front of the queue for for an Alpine seat when it does eventually open up if it does and you know we've seen how little movement there is in the f1 driver market it is frustrating to see these these amazing f2 drivers with nowhere to go almost and, and Jack jackson is absolutely one of those where you just wish he had that chance to move up
1: do you think it helped that his cars look the same the fact that he went from the f1 Alpine car to an f2 car that just look like a smaller version of an f1 Alpine car <laughs> uh, that,
2: that must that must have done it, it must have been a placebo yeah. well just out, the blue car that i drove a moment ago is is rapid so this one can can do the same maybe yeah. it just unlocked something
0: it was the livery that was what ollie behrman's issue was he went from the hass livery to the preman that makes so much sense yeah
2: <laughs> you're gonna have to look at all of the fb1 outings and all the liveries and see if that that holds true
0: Fascinating insights you get from our uh, well respected <laughs> Formula <laughs> 2 journalists on this podcast, <laughs> isn't it? And it's really, yeah, yeah, shall we move on from talking about uh, liveries and, uh, yeah, God knows what else. It's um, really to tell you what. Let's talk, let's talk about we're talking about the FP1 uh, outing. So let's talk about them. Molly Behrman obviously struggled uh, moving from or adapting from Formula One machinery to, to Formula Two. Uh, Jack Doohan obviously didn't. Uh, what did what did you make of those um, those drivers who did get a run out in uh, in FP1, Aaron? And uh, who who's who impressed you the most?
1: It was it was a good outing for all of them actually. You know, you are looking especially from a F2 driver's point of view to just get mileage under your belt so in that sense it was job done for all of them and a a situation like that isn't really representative of their abilities because they're going to be running to a program i know when vesti was in the mercedes in mexico they ran him on a specific program they didn't really get him to do any performance runs although in the same weekend we saw ollie behrman going through the s's basically sideways so (laughs) it depends what the teams want them to do and it's it's all just about getting that mileage under your belt but of course they've got to try and show their raw speed although in an FP1 we don't really see the opportunity to show raw speed they don't want the cars smeared across the barriers like Carlos Sainz was in FP2 so it's a balancing act you want to show as much as you can do but you don't want to you won't be given too much free reign so I know know I've avoided the question of who impressed the most I'm just trying to sort of frame it in that we can't really judge too much there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you look at, you know, I think I believe Ollie Behrman was actually slowest in FP1. You know, the Haas hasn't been that competitive for starters. But you you can't you can't really judge the times by by the runtime. You can often dr- judge it by what the teams say afterwards in terms of how maturely the drivers approached it, how well they've they've gelled with the team. And, you know, Oli Berman's I think that's his second FP1 outing. I think he got one in, in Silverstone as well. Um, so the fact that, you know, he's getting this at such a young age and he's showing such promise is, is going to stand him in really good stead. If he has a really solid season in F2 next year, challenges for the title, and then gets more shots in an F1 car, he could be setting himself really well for 2025, which I think everyone would like to see. And also... Whilst we're talking about FP1, shout out to last year's champion, Felipe Drogovic, who looked, looked very comfortable, looked very confident in that Aston Martin and was second, I believe. So it's good to see, you know, it's easy to forget about him. It's been a year on since he won the the title, but he's still there. He's still in that seat and probably wishing that Alonso would just stop performing at the level he is and, and give up and, and give him a chance. But, you know, I think showing that he's ready also if that if that opportunity comes up for him.
0: I loved how the formula two, uh, social pages were, um, yeah. Including uh, Felipe Drugovich, so it was drivers past, present, and future, wasn't it? So you had obviously the seven drivers or the six drivers who are, are present Formula Two drivers, but you also had uh, past uh, Formula Two drivers, uh, Felipe Drugovich and Pato Award, who did one round, by the way, who they claimed for that, and then future driver Zach O'Sullivan, who still hasn't driven an F two car, but the F two patriot. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Very good. Very good. Um, you said you said there, Lawrence. Um, you, you, you can't judge. Uh, I was completely judging Oli Berman by. By the way, completely washed. Absolutely, he finished bottom of F one. Completely How washed. How dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Ollie Behrman, what a talent! And uh, yeah, and why do you think he? Why do you think he struggled adapting, Lawrence? Why Why does some drivers struggle and some drivers? don't? Jack Doohan obviously didn't struggle. Oli Behrman did. What why, why is that?
2: Well, I mean, everyone talks about the the step up from F two to F one being the the biggest sort of at any stage of these drivers careers apart from when they go from karts into proper racing cars you know just the performance of an f1 car is so so different you know behrman hasn't had much time in f1 car and that has been a really important weekend for him from that perspective he knew that there was nothing really on the table in the championship for him so he's probably focused more on that than the F2 running almost. Because that's that's what's going to be more important to him in his career. He's going to get a chance to come back in F2 next year and, and perform. So he's probably focused on that and then maybe just been slightly rusty getting back into the F1, into the F2 car. You know, this is still his rookie year. So for someone at such a young age with minimal experience of both F1 and F2 to go from one to the other so easily, it's difficult. And it's just, you know, these are fundamentally different cars and different driving styles. You don't know how much Behrman's having to rewire his brain to get the most out of that Haas and then jump into his F2 car. You know, Dewan might be somebody who, because of his particular style, because of the way that the Alpine set up, drives in a relatively similar manner between the two and makes it easier to make that change you know it, it's 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 so hard to to judge without knowing but i definitely think you shouldn't um if you're if you're trying to assess behrman's quality you don't judge it by by this weekend look at you know baku qualifying with bent steering for example you know um the the guy's got talent and uh and that can't be forgotten Aaron, have you recovered from my comment yet, or are you still got a tear in your eye for that?
1: No, I'm good. I'm just going to say, don't judge the bear by the has.
0: Ah, very good, very <laughs> good. Oh wow. Okay, I don't know where it's
1: to, to end. go. end.
2: Yeah, I don't know where <laughs> to go from there.
0: Um, should we uh, rookie round up? Should we, uh, should we round up our rookies? Paul Aaron and Franco who obviously made their debuts this weekend. Uh, lots of learning, Aaron. I imagine from uh, lots of learning to take away uh, to build for next season, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, none of it's going to be really representative though because the car changes, which is, you know, it not it not a good thing for them to go into an F2 race at the end of the season before the car is completely overhauled. Because, like I was saying with the the FP1 outings, it's great to get the drivers in there, know the team, get to know the people in the paddock. Obviously, F3 and F2 aren't that far apart usually, so you're probably going to cross over. Crossover over with a few people from time to time. But Paul Aron uh, was with Prema in F3 and he was with Trident this weekend in Formula 2. So there's obviously going to be different people there, although it's about getting to know the people. They might end up, oh, Franco Colopinto will be in that seat next year. So he's going to be getting to know the F2 people at MP Motorsport. We're not sure yet where Paul Aaron is going to drop if he does end up in Formula 2. Uh, but cool fact, that will give me two two drivers to cheer for because... Oli Behrman and uh, Paul Aaron, obvious reasons. So, um, yeah, it was a decent outing for both of them. They got plenty of laps under their belt. a uh, shame that Colopinto didn't reach the flag in the feature race, but he'd he done a really good job, actually. Kept it out of the wall. There was no real incidents. You know, you see... We see the stalls but on the grid, but we've seen that from a lot of rookie drivers. First time out, Josh Mason uh, did it in Spa. It's, it's happened before. It'll happen again. So, it just shows the cars are tricky to actually get going. So uh, no, no no embarrassment there, but they didn't do themselves any disservice in the racing either. Absolutely. Um, you said, you, uh,
0: you know, we obviously Colopinto confirmed MP, uh, Paul Aaron, we're not sure where he's going to be. Um, we uh, obviously had... Uh, Michael McClure, um, Formula 2 commentator inside, sorry commentator Formula 2 uh, journalist uh, and inside F2's uh, yeah journalist he was trackside this weekend in Abu Dhabi um, and uh, shall I read out his, uh, his I, think, I think this is pretty much confirmed for 2024 in terms of the lineups uh, do you want to know where Paul Aaron he's got Paul Aaron down to be on. isn't it high tech it is high-tech indeed. So we got Prema, Antonelli and Oli Behrman. ART, Zach O'Sullivan and Victor Martins. High-tech, Paul Aaron and Omri Cordill. Uh, Carlin, Zane Maloney and Miata coming across from Super Formula. That'll be very, very interesting. Uh, Dams, Jack Crawford and JM Correa. Virtuosi, Vortiletto, and Kushmani that has been confirmed today. We are recording on Monday evening, so uh, yeah, that is confirmed. Uh, VAR, uh, Enzo Fittipaldi, and uh, Rafael Villa Gomez, which will be interesting. That's going to be the smallest uh, Formula 2 pairing, uh, well, probably since Carlin this season, to be fair, uh, with uh, Zane Maloney and uh, Enzo Fittipaldi. Uh, Trident, Richard Vashaw, Roman Stanek, uh, PHM, uh, Ralph Boshong returning again, uh, and uh, Josh Dirksen. Uh, Campos, uh, Pepe Marty, and Isaac Hadjar and MP, uh, obviously already confirmed, uh, Dennis Hauger and Franco Colopinto. Um, and yeah, a, few, a few things to note then. So Josh Mason will be testing for PHM instead of Ralph Boshong at the post-season Abu Dhabi test. Um, and uh, Oli Gerfer will be uh, testing instead of Roman Stanek uh, for Trident in the post-season test. Um, but yeah, that's, the, that's looking like the the lineups for 2024. So uh, yeah, in answer to your question, Paul Aaron uh, or Paul DeVries, maybe I should have called him. I'm not sure if anyone's seen those tweets going around uh, on, on, on X uh, of uh, Formula One getting the uh, uh, getting Paul De Vries with the uh, Estonian flag and Trident for Formula One. I'm not sure if you've seen those tweets going around. If you haven't, go and check out Paul Aaron's Twitter because it is very, very funny uh, and he's taking the mick out of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm rambling on here. That is where people are going to be in 2024. Your thoughts on that? I guess, guys, uh, initial reaction to that? Uh, some strong lineups there, Lawrence.
2: Oh yeah, some some really really strong lineups, and you know some drivers getting chances in in sort of more what we'd call traditional front running cars. The likes of I'm particularly excited for Kushmany in the virtuosi. I think he will. I think he's might he might have gone slightly under the radar this season with how he's driven. I think he will really impress. Next year, and obviously pramer will be will be one to watch you know especially with with kimi antonelli coming into that team. i think everybody in in motorsport is waiting to see what you know this sort of young prodigy that is kimi antonelli can can deliver in an f two car after making that that leap up up the order you know skipping formula three you know there's not many drivers that that you know that junior developments obviously he's part of the mercedes junior team there's not many that will see their drivers move up like that. Obviously, Max Verstappen is is the last one to have done that successfully, so that that bodes well for him if he's if he's walking in his shoes. A few uh, a few rumours
0: starting to circulate as well that if uh, Kimi Antonelli has a good season, maybe finishes top three in Formula Two, he could be in with a shout at the Williams seat in twenty twenty five. Apparently, Toto Wolff is lining that up with James Vowles. Um, yeah, now Antonelli going to be an interesting one for for next season in the Aaron.
1: Yeah, I'm just pleased that I got that little punt right on our um, pre- uh, predictions uh, show for the grid. Uh, I think we got one each by the end of all of that, didn't we? So yeah, the less,
2: the less said about that, the better, I think. Um, <laughs> although I dare say we're going to say more about it quite soon.
0: Probably. Yeah, I think we should delete that video from our from us from our YouTube channel. To be
2: honest with you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um... Mm. Unli Unlist it right now.
0: Yeah absolutely <laughs> chap shall we uh, shall we have a look at the final team standings or final standings of the season before we go Teo Porcher is our 2023 champion winning the series by 11 points in the end from Frederick Vesti Jack Dewan sneaked into the top three of the standings at the very last moment after winning the feature race at Yas Marina he moved above Ayumu Owasa Victor Martins ended the season as top rookie finishing 20 points ahead of Premer's Oli Behrman Enzo Fittipaldi, Dennis Hauger, Richard for Shaw, and Zane Maloney round out the top 10. And the team standings: ART win their first team's title in the modern era of Formula 2, holding off the mighty Kramer after a season-long battle. Rodin Carlin were the best of the rest, ahead of DAMS and Virtuosi, who managed to beat MP Motorsport to a top 5 finish on the final day of the season. VAR recorded their best Formula 2 finish with a 7th place finish in the end. Tech Campos and Trident round out the top 10. And PHM were the only team not to win a race. And incidentally, not the only team not to score a point all season long either. I'm sure there'll be lots of learnings for them next season. Okay, that's all we got time for today, but it's not the last time you'll be hearing from us this season. As I said earlier, we've got a a post-season review podcast coming your way over the next couple of weeks, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you've got notifications on, on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, and you will get that notification. And get involved in the conversation as well on our social media channels, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, on Instagram, on TikTok. Get involved in the conversation. But from me, Fraser Ford, and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time.